This morning, I would like to speak a message on the progression of seeking God and growing spiritually. The life of living a Christian life is a progression. Now, that sounds like a very obvious statement, and in all honesty, it is a very obvious statement. But the reason that it's important to state it is that maybe some Christians don't realize the significant effort it takes in the progression of growing into the mature Christian that God is intending all Christians to become. Today I want to talk about the progressionary steps in becoming a mature Christian and the importance of making the effort. Spiritual growth is a choice we make. It's not that hard, but it does require a choice that we grow. Spiritual life is not an automatic thing, and we're going to talk that through a little bit as we get through the lesson. We can go back as we read God's word and the way God has orchestrated life and the way God has put everything together. And and we can see many parallels that God has established when when it comes to setting up our physical existence with the spiritual, with our spiritual existence in ways that we can understand and associate with. It's important that we're able to relate to something when it comes to understanding what something means. For example... If I told you the temperature outside was 32 degrees and you said to the person sitting next to you that happened to be of European descent and you said to him, wow, it's a chilly day out there, he would look at you and think you're nuts because 32 degrees to him is warm. In fact, it's, it's actually kind of hot. You see, he measures temperature in Celsius And we measure temperature in Fahrenheit. And 32 degrees Celsius is 89.6 degrees Fahrenheit. So for the European, 32 degrees is a warm day. It is a midsummer day. To us Americans who measure in Fahrenheit, it is a cold day. It's freezing outside. So so do you see how important it is that we put things in relative terms in the way it's so important that God gives us things in relative terms that we can relate with so that we can understand what he's trying to tell us so that we're on the same page, we're on the same wavelength. And God has given us many parallel relationships between our physical life and our spiritual life. And I want to list some of those in our progression of our spiritual life and that we can then begin to understand what our physical is to our spiritual, and that we can kind of relate how that affects us and how we should work in those areas and how we should grow in those areas. First, we are born physically, and then spiritually we are born again. We are physically born, and then our spiritual man has to be born again. So again, he uses the same terminology so that we have a very defined point of beginning that I'm not I don't exist until I'm born and I don't exist as a spiritual godly man until I'm born again I don't come out of my mother's womb as a born again spiritual man there must come a point in time in my life when I must have that choice where I must make that choice to be born again spiritually And that's so important that we understand that, number one, because that is the whole basis of Christianity. John chapter 3, beginning at verse 3 through 8, it says, In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. 
How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at, me, at my saying, you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot see where it goes. So there it is. Jesus says you must be born again. And Jesus is telling the truth. We are babies after we're born. We are babies physically. And we are babies spiritually. As babies physically, we drink milk. And as babies spiritually, we drink milk. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says, Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. I'm going to come back to this point later. But as we grow, we learn to walk physically, and we learn to walk spiritually. Psalm 86:11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I, that I may fear your name. Teach me your way, O Lord. Teach me to walk, Lord. Teach me to walk. Just like my parents taught me to walk. Lord, teach me to walk. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 3. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with, a, with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. Again, as we walk according to the law, or maybe better said for us today, that we walk into, today into the instruction of the Lord, we walk as he instructs us through the word of God. And then as we learn from the instruction, we learn from it so that we can keep it. And as we keep it, it keeps us from doing the wrong we should do or we would do naturally in our lives as our natural man. And as we then walk in God's ways, we are blessed. So if you take that scripture that we just read and you take it backwards, it all works out the same way. God blesses us as we walk in obedience. And as we walk in obedience, God blesses. As we learn to walk, God allows us to walk through some things in this life that may not be so perfect. We may have to walk through some hard times. We may have to walk through some difficult times. And where is the Lord when we have to go through that? It seems like sometimes the Lord just kind of leaves, doesn't it? Have you been through some hard times lately? Have you been through some difficult times? Have you had to walk through the valley sometimes a little bit? And, and then when you're there, when you're in that valley, you say, Lord, where are you? I need you, Lord, now more than ever. Where are you? But let me read where Lord, the Lord's at. Psalm 138, verse 6 through 8 says, Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand you save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Verse 7, though I walk in the midst of trouble. Wow. Now we all are going to walk through the midst of trouble. Maybe you're not right now, but you will. And when you walk through the midst of trouble, understand that the Lord is there to preserve your life. 
He will stretch out his hand and he will protect you. So no matter where we walk, if we're walking according to God's word, if we're walking in in obedience to him, if we're walking chasing after the heart of God, he's not leaving us. It may seem hard. You may see him abandoned. You may be confused. But understand who's going to win. Understand who's going to win. Let me tell you if you don't know. God wins. He wins every time. God wins. And if I'm on God's side, amen, I win. Scripture also tells us that we will have choices to where, to where we would walk. Not only have we learned to walk or learning to walk in our spiritual life, but now we are given free will to choose where we will walk. Isaiah chapter 35, verses 8 through 9 says, And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those whose walk it will be for those who walk in that way. What way? The way of holiness. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast get upon it. They will not be there, but only the redeemed will walk there. So we have a choice where we walk. Not everyone will walk with the redeemed. You know, I think sometimes we get a little bit confused. I think our society gets a little bit confused. The scripture says that there is a a narrow and a straight way to heaven for those that are on the right path of righteousness. And it says actually that few will find it. But the way to wickedness is wide and broad and many will find it. And I think so many times we kind of get them confused. I kind of think that our society is saying that, you know, the way to God is wide and broad and many will find it. And the road to hell and destruction is narrow and few will find that. You know, the Bible says in the end days that right becomes wrong and wrong becomes right. The enemy is a twister of things. So he takes God's word and he twists it all around. And we find our society then telling us what we want to believe. That wide is the way to happiness. Where the word is saying, you know what, that's not true. There's happiness there. The Lord promises you happiness. But it's on the narrow way. It's on the narrow way. And unfortunately, I hate to say it, but the word says that few will find it. So where do you walk? You have the choice as to where you walk. It's your choice. Scripture also tells us that we are to walk in humility and humbleness. Humility and humbleness is also a choice we make. Don't confuse false humility with true humility. See, God doesn't confuse God, God doesn't get confused, even if we are. <laughs> he knows if I'm truly a humble man or not. He knows. He doesn't get confused like we get confused. And and if we're confused, because he loves us so much, he will allow things in our life to happen to bring us back into the area of walking humbly before the Lord. You know, the, the pride goeth before the fall. Pride goeth before the fall. And, you know, we need to thank God for the falls in life that bring us back out of our pride into a walk of humility. Because there will, need, there will be no prideful people in heaven. There will be no arrogant people in heaven. 
There will be those that come to Christ as of a little child. The Bible says if you come, that you must come to the Lord as of a little child. Little children are not prideful. They don't really know what pride is. They may have some ideas, but they don't have the arrogant pride that we learn as we grow older. So we must come to the Lord as of a child. There will be no prideful people in heaven. So if the Lord has to knock you down, thank him. Thank him for knocking you down. Thank him for bringing that prideful life to your acknowledgement so that you can deal with it, so you can say, Lord, I'm sorry of my pride, so that I can walk humbly and with humility before you. God loves the humble person, and he opposes the proud. James 4, 6 says that. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. In Isaiah chapter 38, verse 15, it says, But what can I say? He has spoken to me, and he himself has done this. Who is he? God is who he is here. I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish in my soul. Now, this is Hezekiah. I'm not going to get into the whole, I just don't have time to get into all of the, the story there. You can go back and read Isaiah 38 if you'd like to in 37 to get the context of that. But what it is is Hezekiah has an illness that he has to suffer through at the hand of God in order to bring Hezekiah back into alignment with what God wanted for him. And Hezekiah says, I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish, because the fact that I had to be, I had to be knocked down, because I had to be brought back into humility, I will walk before the Lord with humility and humbleness. So as we continue in our journey of walking with the Lord and being trained by him, we, have, we find ourselves walking in promise, even unto the point of death. And that's the promise of life for us, is that God will be with us through the point of death, our eternal life. Isaiah chapter 57, verse 2, those who walk uprightly enter into peace. They find rest as they lie in death. Then Psalm 23, obviously, is, the, is, is a big one for us. Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, I think we've all been around a saint that has passed. And what a joyful experience that is, in all honesty. Yes, we miss them. Yes, we mourn them on this earth. But, you know, we know where they're at. We know they're happy. I, I, every time I come in here quite often in the mornings and pray, and when I pray, I often walk over and I look at that board over there, and I read the names on that board, and I, I'm so thankful for them. I'm so thankful for what they've done, for the heritage that they've established in this church, for the heritage they've established in my life. I look back at Reuben Wanberg. Reuben, most of you, does any, who knows Reuben Wanberg in this building? Reuben Wanberg was the man that prayed me into my experience with the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was 12 years old. <laughs> and I thank, my, I thank the Lord for Reuben Wanberg. Now, Ruby was a funny little guy. He really was. He had a funny little laugh. He'd hee, 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 hee. Remember the little Reuben's laugh? But I'll tell you, though, I mean, the heritage that Reuben placed in my life will be with me forever forever and I will walk someday the streets of heaven with Reuben and we'll he 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 together <laughs> oh I'm sorry Reuben please forgive me for that 
But what a blessing that will be. Because of the life of a righteous man, that his life goes well, all this life into the peace of eternal life. What a blessing. Thank you, Jesus. Excuse me just a minute. As we continue to walk, we have choices to make. We choose who we want to walk with. See, we're free to choose whoever we want to, to walk with in this life. To whoever, whoever we want to hang out with and whoever we want to associate with, we're free to make our own choices. You're free to choose to walk with people of like-mindedness or not. You're free to choose whoever your friends are, your closest friends. It's your choice to make. And it's very important that we, like with, that we walk this life with like-minded people if you're going to guard your spiritual life and your spiritual growth. Amos chapter 3, verse 3 says, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? No. You, nobody can force you to walk with anybody you don't want to walk with. You choose who you walk with. You choose who your influencers are. You choose that. That's your choice. You can't blame that on the devil. You can't blame that on anybody else. You choose who your friends are. No one forces the friend on you or the company you keep. Now, it's important to understand here that what this is saying is that is, it's not saying that we shouldn't have friends or relationships in the world. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's not what this word is saying at all. How else could we ever reach people in the world if we didn't love them and befriend them? But in choosing who we are going to be like and to be influenced by is a totally different thing. Having friends in this world is important, but be very careful there that the worldly walk that they may be a part of doesn't influence you. Be careful who is the, who is the influencer here. See, this passage in Amos and others are giving us good and important warnings that we are to guard our hearts and our spiritual integrity with the friends and the influences that we allow into our life. Jesus was, as always, was the, was the best example and the perfect example for us to follow as he walked every day among the sinners of his day. Here's one major thing we can learn from Jesus as he walked with the publicans and the tax collectors, the sinners, the ill reputes of his day, because he was accused, wasn't he, by the Pharisees, and he was accused of people that he hung out with the wrong people. But understand the difference here. Understand what Jesus did. When he walked with people like that, he was always the one who left the influence on the other person to make the change. Never was he influenced by them to compromise and change. Do you see how important that is? He was the influencer of that relationship. So as he walked with publicans and sinners, they looked at themselves after they got done walking with Jesus and they questioned themselves, wow, why am I living the way I'm living? Jesus never got confused in who he was. He never got confused in who am I? He never got confused by taking their influence on him. He was always the influencer. So should we. 
We can walk like that. We can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit like that. We can walk in the world like that. We can, work, we can walk down the hallways of school, girls and boys like that, no matter what school you go to. Men and women on the job, socialites, wherever you're socializing. We can walk in the world and be the influencer, not being the influencee. It's called being a leader. It's called being bold. It's called being courageous. It's called having the life of Jesus. It's, like, it's called having the Holy Spirit's power residing in me so much that it flows out of me and the Holy Spirit just bubbles up with me all day long. And as I'm walking in the world, my Holy Spirit's overflow is pouring out on people. That's what it was like for Jesus. That's what it can be like for me and for you. I'm finding a, a passage in Scripture here one of, becoming one of my favorite ones. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 6, verses 14 through 18, and it says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. What a blessed promise. See, and this is not a life of living that I'm better than you at all. It's a life's choice of saying that I'm not going to be influenced by what this world would offer as a form of compromise of what God has for me as a son of God. God has something for me that's so awesome. Remember we talked at the beginning of the service about how big God is and how we're never going to be able to comprehend him? Well, in his bigness, he has a big gift for me and for you. And I want to live my life to be able to receive that big gift from him. It's my choice. It's your choice. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and my daughters. So what's wrong with taking a stand against the compromise of this world and to set ourselves apart and to teach our children and their children to take a stand for Christ? Even if it's unpopular, even if it goes against the grain of popular opinion, even if you have to, be, even if you have to stand alone, but to do so knowing that you're really not alone because you are a son of the king of the universe. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ, and you are going to be a victorious overcomer in this life and for all eternity. What's wrong with making a stand for Jesus? What's wrong with saying, I will not compromise? We talked about compromise and spiritual warfare last week. What's wrong with saying, I am going to take this stand and nothing is going to move me off it? What's wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with that? Is there any reason why we should compromise with the world? Is there any reason that we should walk with the world to be compromised by the world? Or should we walk with the world to be the influencer in the world? Should we, should we walk with them so that when we leave, they feel the presence of Jesus with us as we walk among them? And as we're walking through that place, they see, wow, something's changed in this room. 
Something's changed here because a godly man has walked in. Not a man better than them, but a man that loves Jesus. What a blessed thing. What about leaders and those in places of authority? Are they to walk in a called fashion in the ways of the Lord? And let me clarify who are leaders. See, we think our leaders are pastors and youth pastors and worship leaders and board members and elders and Sunday school teachers. And and sure, those are obvious spiritual leaders, no question. But let me get down to where this affects all of us. What about moms and dads and grandparents? Don't count yourself out of the leadership group. Every man and woman that claims to be a Christian is a Christian leader. Because people are watching you, and they're watching your example. Whether you like to admit it or not, you are a Christian leader. If you have Christ in your life, you are a Christian leader because you are an influencer of people, if you're Christ-like. The prophet Zechariah has this to say to leaders about their walk. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 6 and 7 says, The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in my ways and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you a place among these standing here. Now, who are these that are standing here with Zechariah in this vision that he's been given of Joshua? This is a vision that Zechariah saw of the Lord speaking in heaven with Joshua, the high priest. And the charge is given to Joshua to walk in my ways and to keep my requirements. And if he did these things faithfully, that he would govern. What does govern mean? Govern means to be a leader. That I will govern and I will be in charge of the courts of God. I will have authority in heaven. And most most importantly, that we would have a place among those there with them in heaven. With leadership. So we're all called to be leaders. Mom and dad, do not, do not underestimate your significant influence with your children. Don't think it's the school's responsibility to train your children. Don't think it's the Sunday school's responsibility to train your children. They're here 45 minutes a Sunday and maybe a half an hour or an hour and a half on youth group. But they're with you 24 hours a day or maybe a part of that. But they're with you a lot more than they're with anyone else. You are their leader. They are watching you. They are taking your influence. You are their influencers. Do not put anybody else in that spot. It is your responsibility to train your children. You will be held accountable to that. For all those here that have dedicated their children unto the Lord, understand what you did when you dedicated them. Understand what you did. What you really did is you dedicated yourself. You really dedicated yourself. You said, Lord, I am a steward of these children, and I will do my best to raise them to serve you. So now if you compromise in your best to serve God, understand what you've just done. You've just broken a covenant with the Lord. If you make a willing compromise that you know may hurt your children, understand what you've just done. You've just broken a covenant with the Lord that you made with him on the day that you dedicated them to the Lord. Do you think the Lord forgets things like that? Do you think the Lord has a short memory? 
I don't think so. So be careful, parents. Be careful, grandparents. This is the good word of responsibility to walk as godly leadership in all levels without worldly compromise sneaking in. And it's time we make a choice, as the prophet Micah called out to Israel, as to what he was seeing in the final days, that we would walk together in unity as others choose to walk in the way of other gods with little g's, that we will walk in the name of the Lord our God for all eternity. Micah 4, verse 5 says, All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, little g gods, the gods of their mind, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever and ever and ever. We will walk. Once we learn to walk in God's word, stay in God's word, and you will walk forever and ever in the name of the Lord. That is a promise. That is a victory cry. That is a battle cry. That is a rock kazakh, a matz. For those that were here last week, a matz. We need some a matz. We need some spiritual boldness. We need some spiritual integrity. Iraq, Kazakh. We need that. If you want to have any chance of succeeding in this world, in the evilness of this world, you need a matz. We need a war cry. It's time that we make a choice, as the prophet Micah called out to Israel. It's time. We learn to talk physically. That was just the walking part. We need to learn to talk physically, and we learn to pray spiritually. We learned how to talk physically, and we learned how to pray spiritually. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 15. When, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then 14 and 15 are the kickers for all of us. For, but if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Can you pray that prayer? Is this too hard for a man to do, to pray out and live what Jesus told us to do? Jesus told us to pray that way. Would he tell us to pray a way that's too hard for us to live out? I don't think so. We have a physical father. We have a heavenly spiritual father. We have siblings and we have Jesus our brother as we are adopted into the family of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 12 through 17. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God, and this is the important part, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. 
The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We're a brother of Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. You see, how many God-given similarities that God gave to us purposely so that when God speaks to us about our spiritual growth that we can understand what he means and it becomes something we can understand and fully embrace because we can understand what it is to have a father. We can understand what it is to have a brother. We can understand these concepts so now I know how to apply them heavenly and spiritually. That's important that we do that. So I want to go back now. I want to revisit the one progressionary step that is talking about drinking spiritual milk and the progression of moving from eating, from drinking milk to eating food, meat, solid food. We all know that babies don't have teeth and that the digestive system they, don't, they have, they just cannot handle a T-bone steak at birth. They just can't handle it. Now, the, the parents can. They you know, quite often will have a steak dinner before they leave the, the hospital. But that's not for the baby. <laughs> that's for mom and dad because all the work dad had to do and getting that baby out. Or I meant mom had to do. Did I, did I say that wrong? Uh, sorry. Uh. So we all know that babies can't handle the meat. What they need is milk. And they must be fed something in order to grow. See, if we just decided that we were going to force them to eat meat and potatoes as an infant, we would kill them. Or if we decided in our parental wisdom that we won't feed them at all until they have their teeth and they're old enough to eat a steak we would also be thrown in jail for first-degree murder because we would have starved our little child to death while we were waiting for him to grow up. See, on the, other, on the end of that occasion, equation, when a child does grow up and when, that, when their life systems are able, we need to then wean them off of just milk and start to give them solid food until they can eventually be, handled, be able to handle that T-bone steak. So there is a time of spiritual babies where they are very weak and they're very gentle and they're very fragile and we have to handle them carefully and we have to feed them spiritual milk. Important that we do that spiritually. With those young babies, Christians, we can't force the harder truths of God's word on them necessarily. They have to be fed on the spiritual milk of God's word into their lives and we need to encourage them to grow in the Lord and that's why mature Christians need to gather around people. We need to, we need to know how to um, mentor and teach young children, uh, I'm sorry, young converts or young um, people as they walk, begin their spiritual life. We need to give them sound biblical truths. That's all a part of growing up. But we also know that as children, when they begin to walk, they are going to fall down. As they learn to walk, they're, they're going to probably be on the ground more than they're up. And that's okay. When they fall down, we don't ridicule them and we don't call them losers. Rather, we help them get back up on their feet and we just help them keep learning to walk. I can remember when we taught our kids how to walk, we would get a few feet apart. And we'd put them in the middle. One would have one and the other one would be sitting with their arms out and, and we'd kind of push them on, you know, and hopefully they would make a step to get to the next one. And that's how we did it. So what's all the point of all this? What's, what's all the point of, of kids as they grow up? See, baby Christians will fall as they are learning to be Christians. That's a fact. They will fall. And we as older, more mature Christians need to be nurturing family members to help them up and to continue to encourage them as they get stronger and more mature 
so that they are able eventually to stand up on solid ground themselves. They're going to fall. And in fact, even as we grow up and as, as we become mid-lifers or, or more mature Christian people, we may also fall and we may need some help getting back up. And that's fine. And that's what we, need to, that's what we as a church are for, is to help those as they grow that, that we are giving the spiritual food to those that are young in their spiritual life. And that's great. And so for those here that are new Christians, you deserve to have a lot of time to grow up. And don't ever feel that we're putting extra pressure on you to go up behind, beyond what the Holy Spirit is helping you to grow. You have to take your time and you have to grow and you have to learn and we have to be, be able there to help you. And there's a lot of patience with the Lord that that's, that's, will be there to help you. In fact, I did a quick survey that if you look through the Bible, there's nine times where I found this exact phrase, the, slow, the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love. Psalm 86.5 says, You are a forgiving and a good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who can call on you. So be comfortable in your spiritual growth, young Christian, and know that we're here to help you, we're here to cheer you on, and we're here to encourage you to grow into a healthy and fully functional Christian young lady or young man. And it's interesting that even Jesus had to grow up in that way. Even Jesus had to. Hebrews chapter 5 Verse 7 through 9, it says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Paul is saying to the Hebrews here that, that Jesus had to learn. He had to grow up. He had to become a spiritually mature person, even though he's God. Therefore, so should we. And then he goes on to say that we, if you continue reading in verse 11 and 14 of that same chapter, it says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers. So here, let me just paraphrase this a little bit. Paul was having a hard time, even in the early church, with people not willing to grow up spiritually not people willing to move on from spiritual milk. And so he's now going to encourage them with that. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So again, this is not pointing to the young Christians here. This is not for those that are just learning their Christian walk. This is for the older people. This is for those here that have been uh, in a church for a long time, possibly. Maybe you're an old person. Um, this is an, an encouragement for us. This is referring to those in a church that have had ample time and opportunity to learn, and for whatever reason, maybe they haven't. Maybe it's by their lack of effort and their lack of spiritual integrity that they've chosen not to grow up. The major difference between physical growth and spiritual growth, physically you have no control over your aging process. Physically, you're going to get old. Nothing you can do about that. Spiritually, you don't have to get old. Spiritually, you can stay a baby in Christ all your life. The only way that you grow up spiritually is by choices you make and by your significant effort and your diligence in becoming a solid Christian person. So that's a good warning for all of us. 
that it's not just a matter of how many times and how many days I sit in the church or, or how long I've been I've been how long I've been saved. It has nothing to do with that. It, it's, it has everything to do with my determination to grow. It's 100% dependent on my desire to learn and obey, just like it was for Jesus. He had to learn to obey. And fortunately, he never made a mistake in that obedience process. You know, one of our original church bylaws that were in our assembly states this, that members shall have received the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues or be earnestly seeking to be according to Acts chapter 2, which says, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. You know what I want to say about that statement? The thing I like about that statement are the last two words. Jackie, if you'd come, please. The thing that I like about that statement is that they were earnestly seeking to be filled. Earnestly seeking to be filled. The power of the Holy Spirit, as we spoke of a few weeks ago, is not in this evidence. The power is not in the evidence of the tongues even though there is a lot of benefit in the heavenly prayer language that we have. The power of the Holy Spirit comes in the seeking of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and and if, if we were making this a, a club to get in and you had to meet a certain requirement, then, then we could say, okay, if you were filled in the Holy Spirit at 12 years old, you're good. You're in. But I think the earnestly seeking part is the most important part of that element. Because I would rather have a church and I would rather be a part of a church that is earnestly seeking. Whether they were filled with the Holy Spirit or not, I would rather have them earnestly seeking. Because if you're earnestly seeking, you will be filled. If you're earnestly seeking, you will be filled. It's not a life to say, I was filled at 12 years old, I'm 53 today, and I haven't spoken, I haven't spoken my heavenly prayer language since. Well, what's the point? What's the point of all that? The point is that I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. Every day, I need to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that earnestly seeking part is awesome. That's the thing that brings us in. That's the thing that opens up the doors to everybody to say, come, be a part of our church and seek the Lord with us. And as you seek the Lord with us, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit as you ask Him to be. That is so awesome. So this morning, as we get ready to close, I just want to encourage us all, where are we, where are you in our spiritual journey of growing up? Are you making the effort or not? It's really a choice of effort here. Are you a babe in Christ? Are you a middle-ager? Are you a senior in Christ? And you don't have to be 80 to be a senior in Christ because I know some teenagers and some middle-aged people that have grown so rapidly in their young life that I see them to be pretty mature already. So maturity has nothing to do with age when it comes to spiritual maturity. And that's a blessing. So where are you this morning? Where are you? Are you, a, are you a babe? Are you a midlifer? Or are you well-seasoned? We all seek. We all seek. We all can grow. We all can continue on that journey. And I encourage us all here.
that we, could, that we would keep pressing in. We're all on a journey. It's never time to stop. Now is not the time. Now is not the time to stop. Now is the time to enter in more than ever. God has so much more than what we've ever comprehended. And he has so much more to give us if we'll just continue to seek him. And we continue to grow up in our spiritual life. It's a blessing. Father, I love you this morning. And I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, that way you've um, been with us today in this service. I thank you, Lord, how you moved gently this morning with our a little different praise and worship today. I thank you, Lord, how you were there and how you were, how you were there. You are not in the fact that we have a band every Sunday, and I think this was a perfect example of how this works out. You're not in the band. You're in the worshipers, and we thank you for that. It's not that a band is bad. We love the band. The band is great. But, Lord, what's so more important is that you're in the worshipers, and we thank you for that. I thank you for what happened on the altars here. I thank you for those that were prayed for. I thank you for the healing. I thank you for the job that's going to be coming this week. I thank you for the tooth that's going to be healed. I thank you for the back. I thank you, Father, for your meeting with us today. You're an awesome God. Lord, I thank you for the word that Jim gave us today. I thank you, Father, for his obedience. And I thank you, Lord, that he, he stood up and he, and he laid out what was on his heart. And, Lord, I will continue to search my heart by that word because I know that was from you today. And I will continue to search my heart from that. So, Lord, now go with us today. Bring us back tonight in time that we would have some praise and worship with you again tonight. I worship you. I praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen.